Fabian here with my co-host Paul. I see the light at the end of the tunnel. Oh no, don't go towards it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for this week we're going to talk about track bike aesthetics. So this is about how your track bike looks or what how important it is to to you or other people in general. And the big question of function over form or form over function. I think specifically or especially in the track bike community the the question of how your bike looks is a very important one to many people. But if you want to hear more about the Olympic Games, Danger Homes, Goofy Mountain Bike, Shimano's new factory, or even the Loki show, then you should listen to the pre-show. You can access the extended conversation at patreon.com slash slowspinsocietypodcast or by subscribing directly on Apple Podcasts, but more on that later. And yes, today is all about the track bike aesthetic and... What does that even mean, right? Yeah. Uh, so if you think of aesthetic, like the the word has kind of been watered down. I think people like people always use it nowadays, like in pop culture. Oh, that's so aesthetic. Ah, oh, that's my aesthetic, etc. But like in in general terms, like you could just say that it refers to how something looks, or like the question of taste, taste in in visual or music, or whatever. It's like the like the taste, right? And yeah. so a track bike aesthetic is the way a track bike looks or should look or how you want it to look. And yeah, the way, the way you want your track bike to look may not always be the way other people say it should look or vice versa, right? And yeah, I think that's a big question for people. True, true, true. I mean, you can get a lot of backlash on social medias for having a bike that is not in the track bike aesthetic i am i am putting big quotes around that right yeah but yeah i feel like some people are way too deep into judging others before bike uh but yeah it's your bike you do what you want with it but it's true that there is some marketing that push you towards some kind of aesthetic there is some gatekeeping in the community really small amount but there's still gatekeeping and there's of course some like unspoken rules and taboos uh about fixed gear yeah. and how your bike should look so like you you mentioned it already but i think like the big like the biggest or or like the big or the biggest influence in like one big like one confirmed track bike aesthetic one correct track bike aesthetic is social media of course and although we, in yeah. like in, in, I think maybe in every single episode, but many episodes, we talk about how the track bike community, the fixie community is so accepting, so open to everyone. It's not like other communities. We're special, not like road bike, el- like elitists and stuff like that. But even here, social media has an influence and can like lead people to being kind of dickheads to others, even though, you know, same, same, we all like the same bikes and stuff yeah so especially facebook i feel there's some groups that are really really gnarly people are saying crazy stuff to each other you you would think it's like the other way around like on 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 reddit or instagram people would be more harsh because like they don't have their face and name there but on on facebook yeah you would be more careful but (laughs) i mean i don't have facebook so it's, it's kind of like surprising that you say it on facebook that people are kind of dickheads even though all the information is there but yeah people get really passionate about judging other people's bikes it's not like they have it's, yeah. it's like they're they're being they act like they're forced to ride the bike they don't like even though it's just a picture on the internet yeah it's like if you don't want to look at it you just scroll down <laughs> you just like, keep going go to the next page but yeah it's just if you don't want to look at it, just don't look at it it's so much like you can save so much energy just by scrolling rather than clicking and commenting something dumb yeah oh yeah i as a personal experience i remember when i had my candle track for 
yeah, it was like a few months after I got it. And I remember that exact day because that was the day I got an answer and it was a positive answer for me to get my new apartment in Japan. So I was really happy. I was like, oh man, today is a good day. I'm going to go outside and take some pictures and post them online. You might still be able to find that on my Reddit account, but I paused the picture and it was kind of track with a pair of zip wheels and really not that much going on. Apart from the fact that it had those uh, spider saddles, you know, the saddles that with like holes in them has like, yeah, weird webbing pattern Ah, on it. And at the time, I didn't know it was something. I, I mean, I had a friend that had one and I found it weird and attractive. And I was like, oh, it, it's weird, but I like it. And when I tried it, I was like, wow, it is super comfy. Let me get one of those. And I got one for super cheap. And then you could get those on AliExpress for really, really cheap, even if it's always a knockoff. But still, it has that AliExpress vibe to it. And people went shit on me for having that saddle. And I was like, wait, this is Reddit. I don't feel so good being there. (laughs) Yeah, it's a shame. I don't know if I still have that saddle. But this being said, it is still a comfy saddle. And it was fine with me. So So you kept it on? Uh, No, it has like a flight now. (laughs) yeah i think that's like yeah that that could be one example of like gatekeeping of like how another person's bike should look like which is a really stupid concept if you think about it right like why why should another person care if they like it but i think in terms of gatekeeping i think the the number one like really the number one in the facey community is whether like people that say it's never the other way around it's mostly i mean sometimes it is but it's always like almost always like remove that brake why oh, you have a brake on there you shouldn't have the brake there always about having a, a brake i think that's like the most common gatekeeping thing of track bikes the way they should look or not yeah and it's not just like i mean if you yeah if you, if you run a one brake and it's in the back then I think you could be justified in saying that, okay, you should maybe put it to the front. You can't do that. <laughs> yeah, then it would make sense, like, oh, move it to the front. And that's whatever. But then there are people who are really, like, they ha- if they have, like, the urge in them to say, why are you running a brake? It's a fixed gear, etc. Yeah. It's part of those, like, unspoken rules and taboos and, and fixed gear. For example... You don't use a radial spoke pattern wheel as your rear wheel. You don't do that. You, you just don't. And actually someone on YouTube debunked that saying like, oh yeah, you can definitely skids and do tricks with a radially spoked wheel, but people are still going to shit on you if you have one of those. What does that look like? You know, like the radial pattern is like when uh, spokes don't cross each other. I need to find a picture. It's all shiny when you roll. I can't believe you don't know that. No, I, I don't know spoke patterns, uh, lacing patterns. How not technical are you? It looks nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, it looks cool. Fabian's conclusion. It looks nice. <laughs> Thank you. As long as it rolls, right? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, some people are saying like, yeah, you can't run that in the rear. It would be too weak. Is it weaker? Well, it it is kind of because the more crosses you have, the stronger it is. So even if you have 32 spokes? Even if you have, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know myself. You know? Maybe it's just like a, like a myth, like, like you said with the video. Like someone yeah. said this and then someone said that and then they just repeat that even though they've never seen it go wrong. I want to I want to partially radial lacing on my next pair of wheels. You know, like one side radial, one side cross. Okay. Just as an experiment, I guess. It's like wearing two different colored socks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're pissing half the people off and the other half is fine with it. 
one half is like, what the fuck are you doing? And the other half is like, oh, it's funky. I like it. You're a funky dude. Yeah. Like one other thing that I think, maybe not completely, it's not, yeah, it's not limited to fixed gear, but like bike, it's more general bike aesthetics is that if you have a drop bar, people say it should be, like the drops should be parallel with the ground or with the top, with the top tube or um, the saddle should be parallel to the ground, stuff like that. I don't think those are that important, to be honest. Well, it is your bike fit, your position. So as long as it fits you, yeah. right, it is the most important thing. Yeah, that's why it's also kind of like, it's, it's, that's why I find it strange if people say, oh, your, 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 your handlebar should be like that or your saddle should be like that. And then people always reply, oh, actually, I had a bike fit and this is the way it's supposed to be according to the, it's comfortable, you know, like, yeah, you never know what a person's situation is. Right. And for some people, it's just more comfy that way, even if it's not the conventional yeah, way. Exactly. You know, like Rises Bars with a little bit of sweep back. Okay. And I like to tilt them up a little bit so my wrists are in that kind of broken position. And I just like it. And people were like, what are you doing that? I was like, I don't know. It's, it's, <laughs> it's my thing. Let me be, you know. Yeah, that's all you need to say. Yeah. What else is there? Okay, I think this is just like a small, really small detail that there's no downside to not doing it, but lining up the tire logo with the valve on your wheel. That's just, you know, like... Do you not? do that? Yeah, I do that. <laughs> yeah, you're at the point that you do that automatically, right? I mean, I only changed tire like... I can count on one hand how many times I've changed oh my tires. God. <laughs> but when I do it, though, I do it like that, to be sure. <laughs> but when I do it, I make sure to do it I like that. I do it that. right, because it's going to be on there for another two years. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> God. What else is there? Yeah. Uh, uh, one thing that triggers me personally is, you know, some people have stem that goes really, really low. Yeah. Uh, that have like really steep angle on them and, and risers. because and aesthetic and yeah it's not a problem if you ride them with riders but some people have a stack of spaces on their fork oh yeah yeah so the position is higher but they have a really steep angle stem so the position is lower and in the end it's the same as having a straight stem that in my point of view looks way more pretty and aesthetic than a bunch of risers and then a stem that goes really low that that kind of triggers me yeah it doesn't really make much sense but if you don't know you don't know if you're new to to the scene and you it's just your bike and you bought it like that then yeah you just don't know or maybe you just like the look of a really really steep stem which i can understand to some extent and it's better safe than sorry to cut the 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 forks here too short, or if you want to sell it eventually or something. Yeah, Might absolutely. Well. Uh, yeah. So I think with all of these different things that we discussed, like all these little little like rules and and gatekeeping of the community, etc., it really begs the question: How important is the way your bike looks over how it performs? And I think this is. This can be said for like bike fit. If you have like an awkward angle on your saddle, but it makes you feel nicer or you use a front brake. So it looks, you have a cable in the front, but it's safer for you or whatever. People, yeah, I think, yeah, people have like different values, right? What they think of their bike. Some like to use their bike more like in different ways and others just like their bike to, to look nice. I mean, they of course ride it as well, but different priorities. Yeah, and I think yeah, of course, I'm also guilty of picking function, uh, form over function. And for a long time, I was riding without brakes. I was like, ah, oh, so nice, no cables, nothing connected. I'm one with the bike. <laughs> but yeah, it didn't. Really, it wasn't that. It was yeah, it was, it was okay riding it, but I like riding with a brake more. But even now, I'm like, oh man, I can spend eight hundred bucks and get this integrated cable system for my single front brake. I was like, ah, just, just to hire a cable to make it look clean. That's like a number one word, I think, when people describe bikes. Clean, clean. Oh, that's clean, clean, bro. That's so clean, man. Clean. It's just like a black bike with nothing. Clean. But. Yeah. 
And on the other end, you have the entire ex-biking community with like all the 90s mountain bikes and bikepacking stuff everywhere. And like the more colors you have, the better it is. It's like on the opposite of clean. Yeah, it's like, oh, I haven't looped my chain in 55 years. Still works perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it's about to fall apart, but everything still works. But yeah, in, in that case, but I think, yeah, in the ex-biking community, it's also, you could argue like, that type of look for them is like the form over function. Like, yeah, it, it's just really their style. And then they want bike to look a certain way with like mountain bike with like weird towny bars and stuff. So then it's a, it's a perfectly like working bike. It just looks funny. But for them, it's like working perfectly and looking perfectly. Yeah. But yeah, in the track bike community, you cannot really have both. I, I, I don't know. So, like, yeah, the big elephant in the room is, of course, like, reckless, right? Yeah. We're not going to get into this debate <laughs> because <laughs> fuck that, honestly. Uh, and I feel like our listeners are adult enough to know what is better for them. But just don't force someone <laughs> to write reckless no. if, if they have a front break or everything. I mean, for me, brakeless, yeah, looks cleaner. And the time I tried to have a figurist break, uh, I had to get disc brakes and to get two of them because I wanted the aesthetic. I wanted the thing <laughs> to look clean, right? The Omnium, right? Uh, yeah, the Omnium, which is still my most sin article on the blog. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I wanted the thing to be... To, yeah, to be like like a complete bike, right? But fixed gear. And on my other bikes, I ride Blurkless because first I like it. And second, I yeah find it really pleasing to the eye. But I have some friends who have like awesome bikes with a front brake and it doesn't bother me. And let's face it, this is just more practical and they're probably faster than me in traffic. Like when I was on Instagram, I was I was following like the fixed gear hashtag, and sometimes you would see like the like the these posts by like the big accounts that just repost everything, right? Yeah. And then the people when there's a bike with a front brake, the people always calling out like, "Oh, what what's this guy doing as a front brake? Is doesn't he know?" Like the people that make comments like that, it's always like, always kids, like fourteen, fifteen year olds yeah. almost. And yeah, I, I guess at that age, it's, I mean. Not to shit on the people listening right now who are like that, of course, but it's kind of like an immature point, I think. Not with just with breaks, but to get worked up enough to leave a comment about how someone else likes to style their bike. Kind of weird, I think. Because no one's yeah. forcing you to look at it or ride it or anything. But, but yeah, and I think... And that break has kind of that extra thing of it is part of your security you know, it is also here so you don't take a truck or a wall in the face. Yeah. So you can't really get mad at someone for running a break or two. No, there's, yeah, there, um, there's like besides aesthetics or some weird notion of having to respect the culture, there's not really any argument about not doing it. But. You can get mad at someone for not having foot retention, though. Oh, yeah, fuck that. No foot retention and no brakes. You're not allowed to do mm. that. Not on my watch. <laughs> Just head shred. Single speed. No foot retention. No <laughs> oh, brakes. Hell no. <laughs> don't do that. Oh, man. Well, yeah, so what else is, like, what other parts are, like, part of, like, the fixed gear aesthetic? Like, what's a trend? So I think, like, branding and marketing of, like, expensive fast looking parts that's a big thing that people in the fixie community are affected by including me and i'm sure paul as well but oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah it starts with a z and ends with an ipp <laughs> but yeah like everything having... that ends with a pp is fine with me <laughs> oh no <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so like having deep carpet rims with like big logos like head or or zip are the most common ones, I think, or Envy. You're never gonna use the carbon to the to its full extent, but it just looks cool, right? So people are willing, including me, including you, we're willing to spend more money than we should have spent to have like a flashy set of wheels. Yeah. And everyone else will be like, oh, those are, those are cool wheels. 
And I think that's also kind of partly why we like them, not because we think it's cool. I mean, of course we think it's cool, but I think it all started with other people were doing it, so we think it's cool. So that's why we do it. Other people tell us it's cool, so we keep going. Like, never-ending cycle. Yeah. (laughs) And you end up with buying crazy amount of wheels. Yeah, speak for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, carbon wheels are part of those things that kind of makes you look fast and it can completely change the the look of your bike, right? Yeah. Even if you put, I don't know, just just a deep dish carbon wheel on the front and an aluminum rim on the back. It looks different, looks fast. So I, I can see why a lot of people are into that. And I am definitely guilty to be into that because, yeah, I have a I have kind of a thing for zip wheels and I'm yes. not going to hide it. <laughs> but yeah, I like those. The logo looks fast. It, <laughs> it makes me it makes me think I am fast. So, yeah. And like when it spins, it looks cool. I mean, it's, it's like the same thing with riding brakeless like not 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 riding brakeless sorry having a brakeless bike i don't think anyone can that can, can deny it looks very clean it looks very nice yeah. you just have no brake and i don't think anyone can deny that including me who ride and i ride with a brake and i think the same goes for carbon rims most of the time like especially with zip that they look really cool on, on 99% of bikes they look cool when they cycle when they spin but of course this also kind of gave birth, I mean, maybe not face gear itself, but it also kind of gave birth to like shopping for carbon rims on AliExpress just so you can get like a cheap pair to to make it look like you have zips. Yeah. Because you don't, you don't care about the weight. You don't care about the brand, about, about the mark, the craftsmanship that went into it. You just care about the logo and the way it looks. I'm not talking about you specifically. I'm just talking like in general. Uh, yeah. To some extent, it's also about your security again, because those wheels are not tested and no. you don't want one of those to shatter under yourself when you're riding. Yeah. So in that case, if you want to spend 200, 200 euros, 200 US dollars on some weird kind of suspicious carbon rims that say zip with a misspelling, uh, go for it. But <laughs> might not i don't know i wouldn't do it <laughs> i mean yeah. of course there are like rep, more reputable aliexpress carbon wheel dealers as well but you know you can you can might you can get carbon real like authentic ones for fairly cheap use as well well like much cheaper than buying new ones the used market is huge right now so even if everybody is kind of fighting to get parts at the moment because the not used market the the retail part of cycling is crumbling under back orders and everything because bike manufacturers are not functioning at the moment. Yeah. They, you can find some pretty cool stuff on the used market. And personally, I don't buy that much new stuff, especially because I tend to scratch or dent things a lot <laughs> and oh no and yeah what what is something new i'm like oh fuck me <laughs> but when i bought a used i was like ah oh, it's just part of its life now <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's also just easier a lot a lot of the time like if you just want to try yeah. something new out you just spend like a fraction of the price and then use it yeah 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 that's also kind of why i i I mean, I don't. I I wouldn't say no. I don't. I don't regret buying bulmus bars, but I spent. I bought them retail in Japan. I brought them all the way back to Europe. I tried them for a while. I don't like them, and now I sold them to someone, one of our listeners, actually. So, he gets he gets them used for a cheaper price, and also, yeah, the life continues for them, which is nice. Yeah, you oh. sound sour about those bars. Not not yeah, a bit sour. I don't know. It's just because I feel like it's a shame. I really, I tried long time to like them. I just never really could because I really like the way <laughs> they look. And that's also, I think, like the form over function thing. They look, I think they look super sick, but I just hate the way they ride compared to drop bars. So Because too much sweep back? Not just sweep back. No, not even that. It's just too wide. And like, oh. I, I don't, I don't like leaning forward that much and like having one hand position only. So mm. I also have like, some random risers I tried for a while as well. I don't I don't like them. But 
So I think I'm I'm just like doomed or destined to stick to drop bars for the rest of my life. <laughs> I told the person I sold the bull moose bars to that I should I will go in between and get like flayed drop bars, like gravel drop bars, really really wide ones. It's like <laughs> both at the same time. <laughs> oh no. As long as you don't get bullhorns, it's fine with me. No problem. No questions asked. Man, one day I'll try bullhorns. Like, I, one day I'll try. <laughs> uh, I'll, have you ever tried them? Bullhorns, I had them on, I think, my first ever bike. Yeah. How was it? At the time, it was good. It was the perfect mix between uh, function and form, I guess. <laughs> because... It was not as scary as drop bars because you need to lean really low and forward. So at the time it was pretty scary coming from mountain bike when you have a really straight up position and you could lean more forward. So it was easier to skid, you know, because you could put all your weight on the front. Yeah. But apart from that, I got bored of them pretty quickly and... When I started to ride risers and drop bars, I was like, oh, yeah, I am never coming back. No. But I do definitely understand some people like them because yeah. they're practical. That's true. They're practically ugly. That's <laughs> to sum it up. <laughs> but like with most of these things, if you think about it, like matching bolts for your chain ring or like lining up your tire with the valve, all these little things, you'll never see them while riding your bike. Only, no, it's only for the picture or for when it's yeah. hanging on the wall or wherever. But when they stand still. Yeah. So which ideally will not be much of the time or most of the time even. But like they don't doesn't. Yeah. While riding, the only thing you see are your handlebars and then like your top tube, basically. Yeah. There's an entire part of the car community that is like that. Cars that are built to be parked you know cars that are built to be stopped and not moving because they're so low like they look super good but they're crazy fucking low and if you try to drive them everywhere they're just gonna scrape the oh, road yeah. all the time so it looks good when it's just stopped and right there and in a showroom or in a parking lot but moving it's not it's even hard to move you know you could say the same thing for example with people that have really old carbon and aluminum frame and they write them with uh, carbon rims that are 20 years old and with tubular tires i know because i do that <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's good to make like three kilometers between your point A and your point B with praying and having all your toes and fingers crossed that you're not going to have a puncture on the way because you, have, <laughs> you run tubeless tires. But, like, but yeah. Like the first thing I thought of was like people with like these crazy, crazy pursued frame sets. And they're like, oh yeah, it's, it's fine. Really, my back is fine. And then they can use it for like 20 minutes a day before they have to go to the chiropractor. Like it's just that that thing is just yeah collect it and and use it in the velodrome maybe but you know it's maybe not the best choice for going outside to the supermarket or something. I mean, especially in the traffic, how do you get your head up and off to see what's coming in front of you? Right? It's like is it red light? Like, it is, it is orange so light? low. Yeah, it's like yeah, you, it's like you cannot even see like the the, the three lights on the on the um, traffic light because your head is just yeah. so far down. Oh, look, a truck. I guess I'll go just under it. <laughs> Pursuit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what other things are like unspoken rules? Or like what are some things that people aim for? Like for the track bike, like the way they want them to look. One big thing I think is like, I think it's a kind of like a universal thing. Whether you ride a brake or not, whether you have zips or not, whether this or not, whatever handlebars, horizontal top tube. That's a big thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a track bike thing. Yeah. I mean, of course, they're uh, like fixed gear f freestyle frame sets. They're not horizontal top tube, and that's fine, of course. But And there's fixed gear with uh, sloping top tube. So like a Dolan Seda, Dolan Precorsa, and all there is that I don't have in my mind right now. But yeah. And you have low pros. Yes, all the way around. <laughs> all the way around yeah 
I mean, I like I like horizontal. I don't mind sloping. Uh, it is fine with me, and I am really not into low pros. No, same. And pursuit, like okay, pursuit is to my understanding, pursuit is a top tube that is gonna go sloping forward. So like a low pro, but it's with 700c wheels front and back, and a low pro is the same thing but with a smaller wheel in the front. To my understanding, how small is the wheel? It could be 650, 26 inch, 24 inch. Hmm. 24 is crazy small. Yeah, I just like horizontal, and I don't mind sloping to some extent. You know. Yeah. If you look at like endurance road bikes, oh man, the slope is like it's like going up a mountain. It's, they look so steep, like the top tube compared to oh yeah, yeah, slightly sloping. They look almost like the the seat stays and the top tube are one line. Yeah, I think even like if you go if you look for like really small size ones like a women's frame, it's even it's even more drastic. There's the sloping top tube on endurance bikes. I guess when you're doing that, if you're riding 200k or something like an Audax, you don't give a shit how it looks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another thing that is kind of part of the not sloping or low pro thing, but bike geometry and, for example, oversized tubing or curved tubing. You know, like some of like I'm thinking about like the KTS Aero, the steel ones. You know, they have like that curved C tube. It's weird. And some other bikes have really, really oversized down tube. It looks like massive, right? Throwing. It's also part of the aesthetic, and a lot of people really enjoy oversized tubing because it it looks good to some extent. But yeah, that's also something to be noted that there is trends with with time. I feel like aluminium was really a big thing five years ago, and now we're coming back towards steel and a lot of steel bikes, steel frames uh, with thin tubing. Not as thin as NGS, but like standard tubing, right? Yeah. Bike geometry is important for how your bike looks because you, it's something that you can't change. Yeah, I think especially with like the oversized tubing, you could. I remember seeing a bunch of them, like the oversized down tube. You would see them on a bunch of like cheaper entry level frame sets, like Aventon and and Throne, uh, pop in mind. Those have like these massive down tubes with the logo and everything. They're super ugly, in my opinion, but they were cheap and people could afford them. So, but I don't really see them anymore nowadays. Yeah, and、no, it's getting. It's getting more rare now. So yeah, bike geometry is important, and something that is going to correlate directly with your bike geometry is saddle height, stem length, stem angle, like all all those sizing things. Yeah, it's a shame that if you're like like really really tall or have like super long legs or whatever, and you need a size that's a sixty two centimeter frame set, and your head tube is like massive. It looks really, really weird, but there's no way around that most of, many of the time. Some of them looks really weird, but I find some really tall bikes quite attractive when they have like big tires on, and they have the really straight upward position. I don't know. I find some of them really, really nice. That's a personal thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> depends, I guess. But I remember I'd look on the market here like one once in a while. And there are people selling like because people here are tall, so they're often bikes like sixty four, sixty five, sometimes seventy centimeters in size. And then the the seven hundred c tire, the seven hundred c wheels, they look like clown wheels, like a tiny wheels on on massive bike. <laughs> But like, there's no way around that. I mean,、uh, there are no bigger wheels than seven hundred, right? Or are there? Oh, there was that one pursuit bike, wasn't there? Like, oh yeah, the mother thing. Yeah, the the Francesco mother. Yeah, yeah, the our record thing. Yeah, but I think there's some test for some like thirty six inch, um, mountain bikes, but it is still in development, I guess. But yeah, like the bike sizing stuff, like for example, your saddle height, right? 
or you don't want your saddle to be really, really close to your top tube because it means like the frame is too big for you or you don't want your stem to be too short. But on the other side, some people have like crazy seat post lens and crazy long stem and it kind of look good, you know? Those are also the same kind of people that say, oh yeah, it's it's too small for me, but I like to ride compact frames, right? <laughs> yeah, for example, small bikes, like 52s or 50, 50, yeah, 50, 52s with a long seat post and some like long stem drop bars and a tiny Garmin mount or something looks really good to me. Yeah. Those are some of my favorite bikes. Yeah. Because it just looks extremely compact, but the, the X and, and Y axis with the seat post and stem are just like, going their own ways <laughs> it's like they, they arrive at the destination an hour later <laughs> yeah i just find them attractive so yeah so like all these, these different aspects like bike geometry tubing sloping top tube or not etc they have a big effect on how your bike looks right but also how it handles yeah so for for one person a really sloping top tube is maybe way more comfortable than for someone else and it just looks different but they might like it as well. So, like, of course, it's up to each person how they like their bike, what their priorities are, and so on. But are there any, like, trends, recent or from the past, that you you can rec recognize in the Fixie community? Like, noticeable big trends across the entire, well, yeah, uh, scene. Concerning bike geometry? No, just, like, in general, like, people choosing certain parts because they think it looks nicer or people supporting a certain like you know oh. style oh yeah definitely i mean the more obvious one would be like risers and drops you know yeah some people are all about risers and some people are all about drops and some bikes really look better with drops and some really look better with risers and some look good with both yeah yeah to some extent that's the the, the one that comes to my mind right now. Another thing that was really there into the 90s and came back, not recently, but in the past few years, is anodizing. It can change the entire face of your bike. You have like a bunch of anodized parts, the same color or not, on your bike. Yeah. Is this like oil oil slick, that, that trend to do it yourself? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, either, either that or... You know, like earlier, we were talking about carbon rims and the fact that you're yeah. paying a price for something that you're probably never going to use to its full potential. It's something was anodizing. Most of the time, it's more expensive that it's black or silver counterparts. And it's the exact same thing, but it has a certain color to it and it makes all the details and it looks nicer. I don't know. Yeah, anodizing just had that kind of thing to it. And yeah, I feel anodizing is part of the aesthetic. Yeah. I remember I used to, I used to watch like these old videos, I don't know, like, like Macaframa or something. But back then, I don't know when that was, like 2000 something, but they had like really, really, really short handlebars. Oh, yeah. Every, everyone did. And I think I cannot think of a, of a reason why besides form like besides the way it looks because it cannot be comfortable cannot be comfortable and i guess it started to, from oh yeah i can fit everywhere between cars to yeah the shorter the better but if your hands can't fit between two cars but your shoulders can't it doesn't it doesn't mean shit right yeah. so <laughs> yeah so really like the effect of everyone is doing it it's cool to do it let's do it I mean, I did it too. You know, I had some really, really short risers. And for a long time, I was like, oh, this is the best looking thing ever. <laughs> yeah, when I first bought my, my my first bike, the Dolan, it also came with those, like, from the person I bought them from. Man, I was like, what the fuck is this? Where, are they supposed to be this short? Yeah, man, it's, it's cool. Everyone's doing it. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I got drop bars, like, two weeks after. <laughs> <laughs> 
Let me yeet oh, those yeah. bars out of my place. Exactly. Like, are the is the rest of the bar coming later? <laughs> <laughs> and now it's the opposite. Now it's really like the trend is really wide bars. Yeah. That's been that's been there since since I started cycling. I think. Yeah. Really wide bars. People tend to see the limits now, right? I think like seven fifty. It's probably the widest for a lot of people. I don't see that much people going past that. No, it's, yeah, like six sixty already seems pretty pretty wide. Nah, man, you need wider. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna be the max. Gonna be longer than the than the bike itself. Yeah. Now, one thing that I've seen recently is a lot of people don't have any problem to switch between risers and drops back and forth for different cues. I'm thinking about real quick. I'm thinking about my friend Patrick, and he has a a mash till, right? So it would be the kind of thing that you ride with risers because it's made for track lacrosse and maybe doing some tricks. But it's not. It's the the frame is pretty bendy. It's not that good of a steel. Um, it's not something that you would ride for races or anything. I did it before. It's perfectly fine. My legs are not strong enough to bend the frame completely. So <laughs> so it's fine, right? But last time we went to do track lacrosse, he came with uh, drops. And I was like, you crazy. Like, you're never going to go through all that mud with drops. You need risers. And it's like, no, man, it's just my bike handling will be better afterwards because I learned how to ride my bike into a difficult situation with drops and i was like oh you got a point you know and i think that it's something that is more present right now a lot of people are switching back and forth between drops and risers without any complex saying like oh yeah sometimes it's better for this sometimes it's better for that and sometimes i just feel like it i think it's nice to have like that flexibility especially with handlebars and Without like group sets and everything, you can just easily switch them out for different uses. Yeah, it's not that big of an effort. But I think as well, like, I mean, you could just do like Danger Home, have both of them at on at the same time. I do agree. One of the big thing that is gonna be seen to everyone is your frame color or like its paint job, right? Because it's one of the important thing, I guess. If you are not a Batman style all matte black roadie. Yeah, I think I think I mean there are lots of that's like the first thing and that's like the main thing that people see when they buy a bike, right? Yeah. I mean unless you're really into the hobby and you know everything about bike geometry and how tire width and everything like that, the paint job is the number one thing. And that and the branding. Yeah. And yeah, like if you if you see like a, a Venton or like or like even like a few years ago, Engine Eleven was still a kind of like a, you know, like one of the cheaper brands I, that you would be on the same level as Aventon maybe. Yeah, they had really like nice paint jobs, like really like they catch your eye and they just look cool, and that was enough for many people. Like the quality might not be the best back then, or, or still not be the best, but it's good enough for the way it looks, I guess, for many. Yeah, and they're they're doing killer paint job at the moment. Yeah, Engine Eleven, right? Yeah, yeah. You're doing a lot of good stuff. But yeah, sometimes the paint or the lack of, if you want the the used, it's cool, it's been used factor. It's like part of the the aesthetic and what you're going to think of your bike and what people might as well think of your bike. So paint is important. I feel like there's a lot of people that are doing custom paint jobs and... Most of the time, it's bang on. It looks awesome. But I also feel that some people that are getting normal paint, you know? Yeah. Like, it's a classic frame, normal paint. But the the stickers placement they put on it, or, like, the the combination with some anodized parts that are a complementary color or other stuff like that, can really switch how you look at a frame or a bike completely can have a massive effect yeah what do you think of people that will purposely scratch their paint to kind of have that used look i mean i I think like used bikes look cool like just 
used bikes, but to do it on purpose, I think, is a really like, I mean, literally is a poser thing to do. Like yeah. you scratch it on purpose, on purpose. Like if you use your bike, it's gonna happen eventually anyway. So you might as well just use your bike and let it happen, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, to to do it on purpose is kind of weird. I mean, now I'm judging as well, of course, but I think it's kind of it's like fixing a problem that was never a problem because it you it was gonna happen anyway. True. If you true. Use the bike, so I mean, if it makes them feel better, like it does, I don't care, but. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, no pointing any finger by new people that have their frame and there's still not a scratch on them. I mean, I I I do that as well, so <laughs> I, I'm careful. Like, I think it looks cool, but I wouldn't necessarily do it. Yeah, especially because I was really contemplating for a long time to get the big block in the, in the pink, and I tried really hard to get it. Now I got it. On the first day, I chipped off like a quite like a nice size chunk from the logo already on the down tube. So I really I was pissed off about that. So since then I'm really careful about locking it up and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's where your omnium is still in the box, right? No, it's actually out of the box, but in the plastic still. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay. I was, yeah, I was actually considering building it up because I have a bike stand now that I bought. Oh, so you bought the, the little one? Yeah, 30 euros, it's actually pretty nice. Uh, I heard it's really heavy. I don't know about that. I mean, I'm not... Wait, wait, wait. Did you get it delivered? Oh, yeah. I picked it, I had to pick it up like 500 meters away. It was pretty... It was all right. Okay. Yeah. It's not that bad. But it was 30 euros, which was half as much as the next cheapest option, which which was Decathlon. Mm-hmm. Like 60 euros. So win-win. I use it to like index gears and stuff, but I think it'd be nice to build the bike with it. But I want to make like a single speed with it, with fat tires. But I only have one set set of wheels, so I'm kind of like, uh, maybe I'll wait a bit. Uh, might have something for you. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I'm waiting for people to to gift me one. I am not buying a bike stand. I survived 10 years without one. <laughs> I am oh, not going to buy it's, one. It's 30 bucks, it's worth it. It's so much nicer for it. Like, I know. I don't have, like, have to like bend over and shit. Like, it's like... Discovering the wheel as a caveman. <laughs> Holy shit, this, this existed the entire time. For the longest time, I was like Googling how to, how to DIY uh, bike stand at home because I didn't want to spend the, doll, the the money. People were like, hang it from a rope attached to your roof and then hang <laughs> down. I was like, damn, I could, I, I'm trying to do all of this just to save 30 bucks. <laughs> in the end, I, I gave in and bought it and I should have done it a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> No, but, yeah, it's a good investment. And sometimes I go to my friend's place who they do have a bike stand. And I'm like, oh, God, this is such a pleasure to use, you know. <laughs> it's, it's like, who knew it could be this this easy? Yeah. Okay, next trend, sticker placement. So, yeah, like you said, there's there's like people at Sticker Bomb. And that's like, people do that on like beater bikes mostly, right? Yeah. Like bikes where they don't care about the branding. It's just some steel bike. They just cover everything with random stickers. Not my thing, but it's also a way to make it like really personalize it, keep it unique. Like at least in the Netherlands, people often like they have, they buy shitty used bikes for like 50 bucks, 50 euros. And then they spray paint it like yellow, neon green, neon orange, just so they can recognize it easily when they park it somewhere. Also, so that people don't are less likely to steal it because it's so eye-catching. Yeah, and I guess doing sticker bomb has a similar effect. Then you can always find your bike easily. But yeah, I, I wouldn't do it. I don't think it looks that nice. Yeah, no, same. What about like other stickers placement? Like some people know where some stickers are gonna go. You know, some stickers have yeah. already their places written on them. <laughs> hmm. I think a common place for stickers is like seat post, right? That's a really common one. Seat post? I would have say like end of the end or beginning. It depends how seat you stay. look at it. Not the chain stay. No, uh, top tube. Top tube? Yeah, towards the seat post. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, that's true as well. Where the logo is often, right? Yeah. Close to the... Yeah. One that I see often is like at the chain stay. Like yeah. a small, like a, like a text or something. Or inside the fork. Yeah, but like these are really like 
you don't you have to be careful. It's a really like delicate balance to not go overboard. And I think people can really tell if you just went too much. Like on Instagram, there was a guy with a candle track that had way too many stickers on it. And it just looked really, tr- like for me, I thought it was really trashy. It, did it trigger you? Yeah, man. Like I, I couldn't sleep that night. You want to talk because, about it? <sighs> We're doing it right now. We're talking about it right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're going to have to but pay like, me for this though. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, okay. But yeah, so like it depends as well on which bike you do it. On like a Cannondale track, like I think you can get away with like a sticker or two, like minimalistic stickers, but not like big text, big branding on, on every tube of the bike. It just looks, I don't know, it just doesn't look good. It's like, yeah, it's just too much going on where it shouldn't be. Yeah. I think people people with stickers, I think it's also about experience, right? And after a while, you kind of can tell where a certain sticker, depending on how it looks, where yeah, it should yeah, go. Yeah. All right. One of our last, I mean, our last section would be something that is not on your bike. So part of the entire Thazier aesthetic is its rider, you know, because <laughs> I mean, at some point you're going to ride your bike, right? And <laughs> so there are so many brands out there that, are going to sell you caps, hoodies, uh, backpacks, messenger bags. Socks. Yeah. It is also part of like the entire aesthetic and uh, the physical scene that, oh yeah, if you have like a, a MASH cap, for example, or a gotten famous jersey, you fit in. <laughs> Yeah, it's like its own subculture as well. I mean, like there, are, there are like these caricatures sometimes on like online. You can find them. I think I've seen like two or three of like the 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 average fixie hipster rider, and it's like a guy with like jeans, shorts, Vans, a, a flannel shirt, like a mustache, glasses, <laughs> a mash hat, and a messenger bag, and that's like the average fixed gear rider <laughs> <laughs> like even though maybe that has changed since then if you if you do like a picture of the average fixed gear rider if you make like a hundred pictures of the average fixed gear rider i think you'll notice that most of them of course like the most yeah i mean i have to say it but like most of them will be guys of course it's cycling after all and like most 90% of them will, of our listeners yeah and most of them will dress basically the same jeans in the hoodie or shorts in the hoodie hoodie in the hat etc it's always kind of the same thing often from the same brands maybe you know and and so on yeah and, and yeah you can see that everywhere else as well like if you go to like a punk scene or emo scene they also dress the same or metal scene or whatever and it's not not a negative thing it's just what people do to recognize each other and, 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 and yeah, enjoy. Yeah. I mean, I am definitely guilty of, I have cut down jeans to make short of them <laughs> and I have not a flannel shirt, but just a standard t-shirt. I do have a pair of Vans. I mean, several's. And okay. I think Vans is kind of like a lazy thing, because not like lazy thing to do, to, to make a point about because I, everyone has probably has Vans like fixed gear rider or not. So they're just it's, good. You know, they're just, the, the sole is thick enough. So it doesn't hurt when you cycle, like the pedals doesn't hurt you. You can foot break with them for quite a while. And I mean, yeah, they're just comfy. <laughs> yeah so yeah vance vance is definitely out there into the the top tier what do people wear when they're riding yeah also tattoos tattoos are really big in fixed gear i think oh yeah it's just like the alternative crowd i mean you often see people with like tattoos on the legs or something oh true that yeah i think that's yeah like the, the whole like hipster fixie guy you know like the mustache glasses i don't really see that I mean, I know maybe they, of course they exist somewhere, but maybe now they're like in the coffee shops and stuff, but. I don't remember when I saw that, but (laughs) I remember a picture and it was in Russian, I believe. Something written over someone's knees. 
And someone in the comment asked, what does it mean? And the guy just respond, very tired. <laughs> Above <laughs> his good. knees. And that's pretty good. I was like, oh yeah, that's a good one. I'm like thinking, if you if you write it like that, do you do you make it do you do you orientate the text so that you can read it while you're looking down? But then if you're standing up and someone wants to read it, it's upside down. No. Or do you do it so that you can read it when you're standing up? You make it for others. You know your knees are tired. You need to let <laughs> others know your knees are tired. Or you just have two pairs. You have like <laughs> everyone is happy now yay or you do it one direction and you just carry like a mirror with you all the time <laughs> no <laughs> but yeah tattoos i think are really common as well yeah i'm not really curious what else is there frame but yeah i mean yeah messenger bags. backpacks and messenger bags like those are out there hanging your keys from your belt yes yes Hundred percent. I do that all the time. <laughs> Having your U lock in your in your belt or pants. Yeah, true. Also that. <laughs> I mean, those are just practical things, but they became part of. I'm just using my pockets. The aesthetic <laughs> too. <laughs> no, the pockets too loose. Doesn't work. Doesn't work properly. <laughs> Can I show off the keys? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know. Like, but yeah, but there's of course. Yeah, if you take if you meet hundred different people that write fixed gear, you'll see some similarities across them all. That's cool. And, yeah, and it's always evolving. It's always influenced by other things, and yeah, it's never always the same. Yeah, what's the next trend? <sighs> next trend is topless. <laughs> what? It's just cycling with shorts. Uh, but without anything on top. No, just just shorts. Just shorts. I don't know if I hate it or if I really like it. No, I fucking hate it. No. I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, mo most trends I hate. So, <laughs> Wait, what could be the next trend? I don't know. That's a good question. That's Okay, I'm really thinking now. I'm like, I'm like really like brainstorming what could be the next trend. Some kind of new handlebar form. That brings us to the after show. No, but yeah. <laughs> a new handlebar form. There's. I'll just, I'll just talk about it now. But Surly has release the corner bar drop bar handlebar with flat bar controls for your mountain bike oh yeah i've seen that it weighs like two kilos <laughs> no fuck that it's, it's really fucking heavy <laughs> so yeah that could be a trend i don't know i mean controls. no it's not gonna be if it's two kilos it's not gonna work all right so yeah what's what's the sum up of everything so the sum above everything i think so so one like good thing to remember is that anyone can have their bike and ride their bike any way they want, right? There's just no changing that. There's no reason to change that. And another thing is, there, I don't think there's one fixed track bike aesthetic. Definitely not. It's always, it's always changing. It's always evolving. There's even within track bikes, there's different groups that have different priorities, different accepted unspoken rules and stuff. There are some things that are, that are true across all of them. Like, yeah, no brakes looks cleaner. but doesn't mean that it's more important than not having a brake or having a brake, whatever. But in the end, it's always focus on your own bike more than... It, yeah, focus on your own bike if it means that you're not going to trash talk someone else's bike. I agree. I agree, and that's going to be it and, for today. <laughs> yes, and remember... Never bullhorns. <laughs> Never bullhorns. Don't ever do that. <laughs> okay, and then if you're in, in like episode 52 or something, I'll be like, Fabian has discovered bullhorns. He's in love with them. Clickbait. Clickbait title. Yeah. Let's see. In episode 53, Fabian is no longer part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, guys. Well, before Fabian drops out of the show because he rides bullhorns, I'm going to do the outro. Uh, everything we discussed today will be in the show notes on the blog, slowspinsidey.com. You'll also find the suggestion box where you can tell us what we should talk about in the podcast. You can find us on our Discord server. The invite link is also in the show notes or with our Instagram account at slowspinsociety. 
Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show by giving us a good review on the platform of your choice. If you get value out of the show, why not considering putting value back in, either by supporting us on Apple Podcast with their new subscription program, or by visiting patreon.com slash podcast to join the community where pledging at any level will grant you access to the pre and after show, which is around 40 minutes of extra content per week. We are now at 24 Patreons, bringing us even closer to our monthly goal and more privileges for every tier. Thank you so much for your support. The music for the show is Lovely Swindler by Maria, and the illustration is, as always, by at Julia Joe on Instagram. That would be it. Yes. And I guess, yeah, ride your bike and build your bike however the fuck you want. That's the main point. See you yes. next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.